Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, dear brothers and sisters. Welcome back to Quran 30 for 30. Uh, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. We're joined by our special guest for the very first time, Sheikh Abdullah Oduru. <laughs> it's an honor. Alhamdulillah, I'm speechless. How does it feel to be a guest on Quran 30 for 30? I mean, I don't know. It, it, it feels really different. I mean, last year there was some other guy. He was okay, but I think this year we're going to try to make it better and improve every year, inshallah. He would face palm a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was always acting kind of shy or something. I don't know what his deal was, but maybe it was a Quran and, you know, the verses and those kinds of things. But, uh, alhamdulillah. <laughs> Sheikh Abdullah. So, Sheikh Abdullah, of course, is a regular uh, every night, alhamdulillah. Uh, Ustadha Nuruddin Knight will be joining us tonight, inshallah ta'ala, but she is running a bit late and having some technical difficulties, but inshallah ta'ala, she'll be able to join us with the night ta'ala. And uh, we will get started, though, for the sake of time, inshallah. To remind everyone to please do download the Quran 30 for 30 ebook, which is a companion guide. So that covers last season. Uh, this year we're doing a surah focus, but that covers the structure and the overviews of the surahs. And inshallah ta'ala, every year we'll be able to add to our Quran 30 for 30 bit in ta'ala. Also download the uh, Dua a Day Prophetic Prayers book with uh, Sheikh Tahir Wyatt. We promise not to go an hour today, inshallah ta'ala. This was, uh, we, we, we had one, you know, just a one-off bit in So. Uh, we will, inshallah, keep to our time, but please do download it and please do continue to support Yaqeen. We are very grateful to you for your du'as, for your donations, uh, as everything we do is free, and so the more support that you give to us, the more we're able to uh, produce these free re resources for the benefit of the community. With that, inshallah, I'll go ahead and I'll get started with introducing now the seventh juz. Uh, of the Quran, subhanAllah, we're already now a week in. Um, the seventh juz uh, continues with Surah Al-Ma'idah, but then it goes to Surah Al-An'am. So I'm going to actually focus on Surah Al-An'am. I know Ustad Al-Nuruddin had planned to talk about some of the verses of Surah Al-Ma'idah. I'll just say one of the things that's very powerful about Surah Al-Ma'idah um, in regards to the prophetic life, the life of the Prophet Sallallahu we said it is the last revealed surah, major surah, right, to the Prophet Sallallahu and what's very interesting is it's talking about the departure of Isa alayhi salam. Uh, Jesus, peace be upon him, giving his final words to his followers to stay upon truth, to abide by the message, um, to uh, you know, to, to, to keep themselves connected to the divine revelation and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would send them uh, another prophet. This is the same message that we saw with Ibrahim alayhi salam in Surah Al-Baqarah and then with Ya'qub alayhi salam. So the prophets telling their children, telling their followers, uh, that they are departing, but that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has something in store for them. And so in the case of Isa alayhi salam, it's, you know, his his uh, message to them, his farewell message to his followers. What's very interesting is that it parallels the farewell of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, right? Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi started to speak in a different way with his companions, giving them hints that uh, his mission had been completed, therefore his time on earth would now be limited, even though there was no observable uh, sickness with the Prophet Sallallahu So subhanAllah, it's just a, a beautiful connection if you think about, you know, the mindset again of the Sahaba as they're receiving these words about the departure of the Prophet before the Prophet Sallallahu being Isa uh, Alayhi Jesus peace be upon him, and now the departure of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is to uh, follow. Now when we get into Surah Al-An'am, 
Um, I mentioned this last year. And in fact, I, I think I'm pretty sure, remember, we had Sheikh Tahir last year for Surah Al-An'am, that uh, one of my teachers actually taught us Aqeedah through Surah Al-An'am. So it was a very interesting uh, way of learning Islamic creed by going through Surah Al-An'am because it really is a surah that covers Aqeedah, that covers the creed of Islam in a profound way. But it's different in that this is actually a Makki surah. So this is a surah that was revealed in Mecca. However, it resembles Medina in terms of its length and its style. Uh, so in terms of the themes being, you know, the theme of Aqidah, the theme of creed, it resembles Meccan Quran in that sense. Uh, and it is Meccan Quran. But in terms of the, 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 the long verses, the long surah, this is very much so a Madani style of revelation. And therefore, it also fits within these first uh, few surahs. So it's, it's interesting as you're reading through the Quran, as we said, Al-Ma'idah, uh, is, you know, it, it came down, it finalized the ahkam, completed the religion, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes us back to Mecca, to the original uh, creed and the purity of that creed and why people don't believe. You know, subhanAllah, we, we talked about the categories of people so far, why some people turn away. And Surah Al-An'am, the, the seerah is rich with Surah Al-An'am as well. So let's just go through this, inshallah ta'ala, as much as we can bid the Nahi ta'ala. Um, if you go to verse 7, so we said the whole surah is tawheed, is emphasizing monotheism, and our answers from the Prophet ﷺ, or rather to the Prophet ﷺ, to give to Quraysh with their objections to the oneness of God and their objections to uh, the message. And so verse 7, uh, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَوْ نَزَّلْنَا عَلَيْكَ كِتَابًا فِي قِرْطَاسٍ فَلَمَسُوهُ بِأَيْدِيهِمْ لَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا سِحْرٌ مُبِينٌ that, O oh, Messenger of Allah sallallahu had we sent down to you this book, this uh, inscribed already, you know, on, uh, on on these special pages, right? If the book was to come down to you in a special way and they were to touch it with their own hands, they still would have said this is just magic. What this is actually referring to is that Quraysh, in the excuses that they were giving to the Prophet sallallahu they told him, look, we have a condition to believe you that this is the book of Allah. So they challenged the Prophet ﷺ in multiple ways. And this was one of them where they said, we don't believe this is divine revelation. And in order to prove that this is divine revelation, they said to the Prophet ﷺ, we will not believe until you receive a book from Allah accompanied by four angels testifying that you are the messenger of Allah. So we need to see the book coming down from the heavens and we need to see four angels coming down with it and those four angels testifying that you are the messenger of Allah. And so this ayah, verse 7, is actually an answer to them to say even if that happens, all you would say is that this is sorcery, this is magic. You would dismiss it right away. You'd say those aren't really angels, this is an optical illusion, that book is not really coming down from uh, the heavens. So the problem is not in any lack of a miraculous nature of the revelation coming to the Prophet The problem is in the deficiency of the hearts of the people that are around the Prophet and their unwillingness to relinquish the power that they are afraid of losing uh, if they believe in this message. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know, uh, dismisses that claim. And I think a very beautiful tie-in as well to the seerah is that Surah Al-An'am was revealed to the Prophet in the most miraculous of ways. Uh, Ibn Abbas who says it came down to the Prophet in one shot with 70,000 angels, not four angels, 
70,000 angels praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as they were bringing down Surah Al-An'am. And when the Prophet was receiving Surah Al-An'am, he looked up at the sky and he saw the angels filling the horizon as they were bringing down this beautiful long surah in one shot to our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam so not just four angels but 70000 in fact brought it down in the most miraculous uh, way but of course the people would always find a way to uh, to disbelieve so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on to say waqalu lawla unzila alayhi malak and they say had it not been an angel sent down to this prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam uh, or sent, uh, you know, uh, alongside him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that had we sent down an angel alongside him, meaning an angel that speaks to you alongside him, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَقُضِيَ الْأَمْرِ ثُمَّ لَا يُنظَرُونَ That uh, surely the matter would have been long decided and there would be no respite that would be granted to them. So there would be no excuse for you at that point, even though there is no excuse for you now, but, you know, you would have just been wiped out right away for your unwillingness to believe because you would have surely found a way to still disbelieve even in that regard. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on uh, to tell us, if we go to verse 25 of Surah Al-An'am, وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ يَسْتَمِعُ إِلَيْكَ وَجَعَلْنَا عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ أَكِنَّةً أَنْ يَفْقَهُوهُ وَفِي آذَانِهِمْ وَقْرًا وَإِنْ يَرَوْ كُلَّ آيَةٍ لَا يُؤْمِنُوا بِهَا حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءُوكَ يُجَادِلُونَكَ يَقُولُ الَّذِينَ كَفْرُوا إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا أَسَاطِيرُ الْأَوَّلِينَ This is where the Mecca part of this really shows, uh, the surah. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And of them, there are those who, who, uh, who, who appear to be listening to you, but upon their hearts they have these coverings, so they can't understand it, and in their ears they have this, this barrier, so they can't really hear it. And even if they were to witness every sign from you, O Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they still would not believe it. So much as when they come to you, they dispute with you. Those who disbelieve would say, these are just the fables of ancient times. Now, what this is referring to is actually an incident where uh, the mushrikeen, those that were fighting the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, were getting caught by each other secretly listening to the Qur'an and they would admit to each other in private, there's no way this is poetry. There's no way this is magic. There's no way this is sorcery. That that this is clearly miraculous speech. So amongst themselves, they would actually admit that. But because their hearts were already, uh, you know, oriented to reject it, and because they had decided to reject it, they would keep making these excuses. So in this particular incident, you find a man by the name of Al-Nadr ibn Al-Harith. So you've heard of Abu Sufyan. You have heard of, you know, uh, uh, Umayyah. You have heard of Al-Walid ibn Mughira. You've heard of these sort of prominent names, Al-Akhnas, uh, Ibn Shuraiq, um, you know, uh, Ubay ibn Khalaf, all of these different people, uh, Uqba ibn Abi Mu'id. But as they're speaking amongst each other, Abu Jahl amongst them, right? And they're deciding how they're going to respond to this message. They go to a man by the name of Al-Nadr ibn Al-Harith. Al-Nadr ibn Al-Harith was a particular storyteller of the fables of the past. So when... They say it's asatir al-awwalin. These are just the uh, the fables of the past. That was what another ibn al-Harith, his specialty was, was just to share the fables of the past, right? Just to make up mythology and share fables of the past. So they couldn't accuse the Prophet of being possessed. They couldn't accuse him of being a liar. They could not dismiss this as sorcery or sihr. They're, they're just looking for different things. And the way that they eventually came to it was they went to another. Another said, 
These are Asatir al-Awwaleen. I do this all the time. This Quran is just like what I do, just stories from the past, right? So they kept finding excuses to do away with it. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we go to verse 31. Uh, Subhanallah, this is one of my favorite verses in the surah. Say to them, O Muhammad, I don't have the treasures of Allah, nor do I have knowledge of that which is beyond my perception, the knowledge of the unseen that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not revealed to you, nor am I even claiming to you that I am some sort of an angel. Rather, I am only following that which is revealed to me. And in that, by the way, is a miracle. The fact that the Prophet ﷺ was a human being, the fact that he walked the marketplace, the fact that he ate and he drank, the fact that he was known to the people, the fact that he was fully human ﷺ is actually a miracle, right? So the Prophet ﷺ is being told to say to them, I'm not claiming to be uh, an angel. I'm not claiming to have knowledge of the unseen beyond what Allah reveals to me. And, you know, uh, it is your foolishness that you are thinking that in order for this message to be a miracle, I have to be some sort of a miraculous, uh, uh, you know, uh, being, right? And that is that is your limitation. That's not a limitation on the message or on the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, subhanAllah, it's a beautiful line of response to them that, look, you're, you're going to make up excuses. And even though you're making up these excuses... Let's not get wrong about what I'm claiming because you guys are trying to find excuses every single time. I'm being very clear that I am a human being, a messenger of Allah who receives the revelation and who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made a human being so that I could manifest this revelation in a way that human beings can follow it for all time. The last verse I'll mention here, uh, verse 52 in Surah Al-An'am. And do not drive away those who invoke their Lord in the morning and in the evening seeking his pleasure. You are by no means accountable for them, just as they are by no means accountable for you. If you drive them away, you will surely be from the wrongdoers. This is speaking about those arrogant people coming to the Prophet and saying, you want us to come and sit with you? You need to get a, get rid of Bilal, get rid of Salman al-Farisi, get rid of Suhaib al-Rumi, get rid of Sa'id ibn Abi Waqqas, get rid of all of these people that we feel are beneath us. We don't want to sit with these people. And so if you want us to listen to you, O Messenger of Allah, وسلم, get rid of these people because it is not befitting to us to sit with them. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do not drive away those people who worship Allah day and night seeking his pleasure. If you drive them away, you will surely be from the wrongdoers. So don't don't fall for their trick, Ya Rasulullah. They'll find another excuse anyway. And those people are not of less value in the sight of Allah because they're in, in, in the sight of these people with less value because of the false, ungodly standards that they have. So subhanAllah, stick with those people who believe. And status is given through that belief and those that, that, that cling to this message. And that was a powerful message that uh, Allah gave to his messenger وسلم, in Surah Al-An'am. Uh, so with that, inshallah, I'm not sure if Ustad Nuruddin is here yet. Uh, I know Sheikh Abdullah is still here. I hope he hasn't left us just yet. Sheikh Abdullah, are you there? Yes, I'm here. All right. At least you didn't leave me, you know, like, alhamdulillah, man. Like, I, don't, I don't know what I'd do without you. You know, I'd, I'd probably have to start, like, uh, recycling um, khutbas and stuff. So. <laughs> 
Alhamdulillah. We hope Ustad Nurdin will join us, inshallah. But uh, inshallah, Sheikh Abdullah, any reflections on that? And of course, build with, with you know, just go into what you're going to go into with the night time. Tafadl mashkur. No, I was, uh, mashallah, at the very end, you know, the, the verse that you mentioned at the very end, you know, that's a very beautiful uh, extraction that you mentioned and benefit uh, from the wording of the verse that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned, you know, prohibited the Prophet from, from pushing away, from diverting away from, or for dis. Uh, disregarding the ones that have those characteristics. And that, subhanAllah, is a characteristic of the muttaqi, is a characteristic, generically speaking, of the Muslim, of the one that is expected of him or her with good thoughts of anyone that says, Ashadu an la ilayna Allah, Ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, anyone that has that belief in their heart. And the way that they would actualize that is through yad'una rabbahum. They would call on their Lord. The Prophet says, or Allah tells the Prophet prohibits him from turning away from those people. And do not, do not in any shape, form, or fashion disregard them when they have those characteristics. And that's that's important because subhanAllah, you know, to be totally uh real, and I know I'm speaking for a lot of people, uh, whether it's from either side, when when we see a lot of people that are incarcerated and they get out of they get out of incarceration and then they go and seek help. And they go to organizations, subhanAllah, and they're they're you know they they're disregarded. They're not looked at. They're looked at as a lower form of society because of what society has claimed that they are, and has given people a fixed mindset on something that they may have done in the past, and they've sought toba, not even you know forgiveness from people, but toba with Allah, subhanahu wa taala. And they became Muslim while incarcerated. They come out and they're trying to do something better. And this verse is particularly for those, not saying every organization, but the individuals that tell the person, just tell them, no, we can't, you know, in the office. And there's no valid reason. This ayat, subhanAllah, they really need to really contemplate on this ayat when they turn away from people that are in need and they don't have the status, the stature, the money, the reputation, but they call on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that only Allah knows and maybe a couple of people know. But what's important for you to know is that there are people that are Muslim and they are trying to seek help. Seek help. So that's one of the first things that subhanAllah comes to my mind because I faced that countless times, countless times, particularly from those that have had a past as all of us have, all of us have. We've had things that we regret and subhanAllah, Allah exposes us in different ways. But what's most important is when you contemplate over that when you contemplate over that mistake, what do you do about it? And people try to do things about it for themselves. And subhanAllah, there's nothing like being turned away, whether it's turned away from your parent or turned away from someone that you expect to be your brother or your sister. And that is a segue to a verse that I want to talk about, chapter verse number 34 in the chapter of An'am. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about uh, a very important concept. And particularly, you know, when I embraced Islam, this is one of the concepts that really, really drew me towards Islam yani, in a profound way. Uh, the concept of the dunya. Uh, you know, many times in, in, in Jahiliya or even subhanAllah in Islam, you know, we may be in certain gatherings and, you know, you may see people that may be of a higher status, higher stature, higher income, 
a career that's very respected and things of that nature. And uh, subhanAllah, you may feel sometimes that you're lesser than them because of what society may make them out to be. Or the person that is at that position, they may look down upon those that are not, or that those that don't have that kind of education or from that per particular tribe or nationality or level of education, SubhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us, even though what you may possess is something that is virtuous, it all comes goes back to your niyyah and how you deal with people with that what you with what you have. Because the dunya, subhanAllah, is something that is temporary and it is a passing uh, vehicle. It is something that we are here for temporarily. As the Prophet said, Mali wa dunya, inna ma mathali wa mathali dunya ka mathali raqibin. The Prophet ﷺ, he said in an authentic hadith by Ibn Abbas, he said that what is for me in this dunya, what is for me in this life of this dunya, verily an example of me and a, an example of the dunya is like a traveler that is sitting under the shade of a tree, then gets up and leaves it. He compares the dunya to the shade of a tree. It is something that is temporary that you will use in order to continue your destination. And the hadith that the Prophet ﷺ told Ibn Umar anhuma, when he grabbed him by his shoulders, he grabbed him by his shoulders. And many scholars talk about the, the methods that he used to talk to people with a physical touch. And he grabbed him by his shoulders and he says, uh, he says, be in this world as though you are a stranger or a wayfarer passing by. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this beautiful verse, after Allah bin Laila shaitan al-Rajim, وَمَنْ حَيَةُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا لَعِبٌ وَلَهُونَ وَلَدَارُ الْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لَلَّذِينَ يَتَّقُونَ أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, after the context of speaking about the regret of those that disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you notice in this in this chapter, Sheikh Omar mentioned two different situations where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will mention the future of those that disbelieve and the things that they will say. And that's interesting in regards to predestination of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the sixth pillar of our iman, to believe and that to believe that Allah knows what would happen from the hypotheticals, if you will, what would even take place? And that is a sign of his complete knowledge. Later on, if you see in the beginning, before this verse, a couple of verses before that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about what they would say. Even if they were to return to the earth, they would still disbelieve. Verily, they are lying by making this claim. Uh, if they were to come back, that they would be of those that are truthful. At the very end of this, the veil or the last verse in this context of what he's talking about, he mentions the dunya. And this is very, very important for us that are in this that are in this life. As we know, the word dunya means life, which linguistically comes from that, which is, as scholars mention, a dunu zaman or a dunu fil martaba He says a dunu means that which is proximal, that is close, or that which is demised or low or not valued. To, the, to a high, high standard or degree. How is that? When we look at dunya from the proximity of time, of zaman, it is close to the akhirah, right? As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions numerous times that the dunya is something that is temporary. As he mentions, When he talks about the time span of the dunya, 
He says, well, Matt, um, Luna, our situation is nothing but the time span of the blink of an eye. The dunya is something that will pass quickly. And I think we face that at times in our life. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that this dunya is la'ib and lahu. So the dunya in proximity to the akhirah and the dunya in regards to its fadl and its virtue. That is something that it shouldn't be valued to a high degree to the point to where if we prefer the things of this life over the actions and virtues of the next life. So for instance, if we prefer our profession over prayer, when it's time to pray, do we even have any feeling in our heart that it's time to show Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the ultimate form of gratitude for the profession, for the intellect, for everything that he has given you? And that is what is important, which is a small example of preference of the dunya over the akhirah. When we mean that, we mean the actions of the dunya over the actions of the person of the akhirah. It is not all, does not contrast in every single form or fashion, but again, it goes back to ultimately the intention. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when he compares this dunya, he says, what is this dunya except for la'ibun walahu? And in Arabic, this is the strongest form of negation. What is this except for this? And then he says, two things, like a game and play, playfulness, and distraction or diversion. The scholars mention that this distraction is distraction of the abdan. That it is it is a game in, in pertaining to your body in the actions and the things that you do. And a distraction from the akhirah. As I always tell, particularly the young men and women, it's important for us to know what is a distraction, particularly in social media, what is considered a distraction, that which distracts you from what is beneficial for you in this life and in the next. So it's very important to distinguish those things because Allah says the dunya is nothing but that. So when we hear that, we should be very diligent in asking what is it in this life, in this temporary abode, temporary abode that will benefit me for the next life, for the last life, for the final abode? And that's why Allah calls it the akhirah. Akhir means the end, because it is the last stage of life or even the other life, right? So that is what is important here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says it is these two things. And that's how we should look at it and, also, and always regard the dunya as a place of istithmar of investing for the akhirah, for the next life. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, to conclude, we have short of time, <clears throat> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, uh, and the akhirah and the abode of the akhirah is better for the muttaqin, is better for those that have taqwa, as we talked about yesterday, it's better for those that have mindfulness of Allah. So when we look at the Dao, he calls it Darul Akhirah, the home of the Akhirah. You never hear Darul Dunya. He says Darul Akhirah for who? It is for a particular type of person. It is for the Muttaqeen. As Allah mentioned, starts the Quran off, we see the beginning of Baqarah, Hudan Lil Muttaqeen. You may try to tell your, your friends, your family, people, that you would expect them to understand what impacted you from the Quran or from the Sunnah or from an Islamic practice or action, but it just doesn't. And that's what we have to remember that it goes back. Ultimately, everyone has a, a level of responsibility of seeking guidance from their maker, 
learning who he is and who he is not, and trying to make an effort. So Allah says that this for the ones that are the muttaqin. As the Prophet says, that Jannah, that the, the dunya is the sijnul mu'min. It is jail for the believer. It is jail for the believer. It is the one that really wants the akhirah because they're not totally pleased with being in this dunya from what they see from all of the distractions and too much playfulness that takes them away from the akhirah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues on and he asks the question, Do you not ponder? Do you not understand? And when we say understand the aqal, there is a place for the aqal in regards to the intellect that he has given you. But when we use the intellect to a degree that may defy the revelation or the direct cause of revelation, that's where we have to understand our place as human beings and as forms of creation. So he's asking you to use your intellect in that which benefits you in regards to the one that created intellect in general and your intellect in particular. Use that intellect to ponder over this life. Take a step back and see how is this benefiting me in regards to what Allah wants for me. How is this benefiting me in regards to my purpose, fulfilling my purpose in life? How is this benefiting me in regards to the relationship with my family and this wife that I may choose or husband that I may choose? How are they going to help me get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How are they going to help me realize that this life is temporary to where things that we do will serve as an investment in the next life? So the beauty of this verse, again, is in regards to the dunya and looking at the reality of this dunya and it'll make us pleased with what Allah has given us and given us. And know that anyone that strives for things that are temporary, that in itself is a level of deficiency in regards to looking at the bigger picture because there is something after this physical life, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. Jazakallahu khairan, Sheikh Abdullah. Alhamdulillah, Ustaz uh, Nuruddin has joined us. Welcome, welcome uh, back to Quran 30 for 30, season two. Barakallahu fiki. We're glad you could join us. Good to be back. Alhamdulillah. And for the sake of time, inshallah ta'ala, uh, Sister Nuruddin, bismillah, just take us away, inshallah. Okay, alhamdulillah. MashaAllah, I'm really grateful to hear the reflections. And alhamdulillah, we're in this blessed month of Ramadan, a time of reflection, a time of returning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where we're either doing extra deeds. Uh, or we're trying to take bad deeds away from uh, maybe our, what was part of our normal life. We're trying to take some things away. And inshallah ta'ala, many of us are likely doing both. And so I wanted to focus in the Quran. We're in uh, Jews 7. I wanted to focus on Isa alayhi salam, his disciples, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the oneness of God. Alhamdulillah, we have many non-Muslims who watch Yaqeen, mashallah, and we are grateful that that you watch us and inshallah learn and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow this message to reach you. And Isa, Jesus, is an important figure both in Christianity and in Islam. He is upheld as this righteous man um, who was God-fearing, a lover of God, and pointed people towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so let me just sort of restart. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Um, so Isa salam, he's an important figure in both of our faiths. Uh, however, Isa in Islam, 
he is known to be a prophet. And all of the prophets point people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And alhamdulillah, um, Sheikh Abdullah was just speaking about distractions in this world. And when we think about what we call shirk or believing in a God other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we can almost say that it is a major distraction. It is distraction to the point of uh, extremes. So that you're so distracted by someone else, by something else, that it completely takes you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you begin to worship um, someone other than him. And subhanAllah, often we think about this in a negative way, which happens all the time, as Sheikh Abdullah just mentioned, if we're into social media or whatever it is that distracts us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so we want to turn away from that and turn back. But sometimes we are actually distracted by the good of people. And so we, or even the good of action. So we can become distracted by Salah and think that that's the end all be all. Instead of reminding ourselves that this is a means to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that it's not the Salah, it's not the fasting that is the ultimate purpose, but using that, obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by doing that and utilizing that to reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the same is true for Isa, that Isa alayhi salam, um, may Allah be pleased with him and, and give him peace. Then he was a messenger given amazing miracles, similar to our prophet um, alayhi salam, our prophet Muhammad, they're both, both being our prophets and such an upright, righteous person. Um, but to the point that people got distracted away from his message and absorbed in his person, and to the point where some actually began to worship Isa, um, not seeing him as a man with a message to bring us to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to remind us of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but seeing him as the end all be all. And this is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about in the table spread, a chapter of the Quran called the table spread, a surah known as Al-Ma'idah. So subhanAllah, um, Allah, he first, he begins, not begins, we're in uh, verse 111. So the part where we're beginning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks to the disciples. And this is important because we want to not be like those who get distracted by the means and forget the ends, right? And the disciples were people who were not distracted by the means um, but remember the end. So they followed Isa um, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they did not make a deity out of Isa. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, I inspire the disciples, believe in me and my messenger. They declared, we believe and bear witness and we fully submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is such an important reminder, whether it is something neutral or bad or good, we have to remember ultimately we're moving back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So uh, further on in the table spread, then Allah is having a conversation with Isa alayhi salam. And it's so beautiful because uh, of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-knowing, right? He knows this information. So this conversation isn't for him. 
but for us, a reminder for us. And so Allah says, and on the day of, of judgment, Allah will say, Jesus, son of Mary, did you ever ask the people to worship you and your mother as gods, as gods besides Allah? So first it is presented as uh, Isa salam, is being questioned, right? Isa is being asked, did you do this? Because Isa, just as uh, every other human being, is responsible to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He too is responsible to Allah. He is a prophet. He was given um, miracles, but he is responsible to Allah. And so Allah is questioning him, but also giving us this conversation as well. And so he will answer, glory be to you. How could I ever say a thing I have no right to say? And then he goes on to say, so first, you know, looking at himself, I have no right to say such a thing, so I would never say it. But then he goes on to say, if I had said such a thing, you would certainly have known it. You know what is hidden within me, and I do not know what is within you. Indeed, you alone are the knower of the unseen. So reminding us, because again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sharing this conversation with us reminding us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the all-knower. Allah is the one in power. He's just a man. He's just a messenger, despite the amazing miracles that he was given um, on earth. Isa is just a man. He's a means to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Isa, he, he also says in the next verse, in the following verse, he says, and, and look at all of this, that it's a conversation between him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but he's also indirectly speaking to us, right? So he says, if you punish them, they belong to you after all. And if you forgive them, you are surely the almighty, the wise. So he goes from first saying, I have no right to say that. And then to say, if I said it, you would know that I said it because you are the all-knower. And then that those people who would believe such a thing, ultimately that is for you to deal with. So also clearing himself as well, right? That this is not um, his doing. He did not tell people to worship him. But those who came up with that on their own, if Allah wills to punish them, he can do so. And if he wills to forgive them, he can do so. And Isa reminds us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is almighty and all wise. So Jesus, salam, uh, Isa, is reminding us, don't forget the end. The end goal is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know in fasting, the end goal is not to starve. <laughs> the end goal is not to be hungry. The end goal is to draw nearer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The end goal of our extra prayers, the end goal of removing either the sinful or even the makru, the, the disliked from our life, is to move towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in that same way, whether it is with righteous people or righteous acts, we don't lose ourselves in them. We draw near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so that that was a one reminder that I got from this surah and that uh, we, we are thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us this conversation 
so that we can remember our ultimate goal. Alhamdulillah. SubhanAllah, um, that was a beautiful reminder and actually ties to in Surah Al-An'am where the Prophet وسلم, is saying, I'm not claiming to be an angel, nor do I claim to know the unseen, nor do I claim to have the treasures of Allah. I'm just the man that's giving you the message. So SubhanAllah, the next surah actually builds on that same theme of Isa reminding people that he is a messenger of Allah, the Prophet وسلم, reminding people that as mighty of a man as he was وسلم, he is a messenger of Allah and that uh, the, the, the role of the messengers above all is to bring us back to our creator. So Jazakumullah khayyan al-Ustadhan Very, very happy you were able to join us, alhamdulillah, but I mean, um, with, with those very beneficial uh, reflections. Uh, Shaykh Abdullah, do you have any thought in closing before we, we just wrap it up, inshallah? Oh, alhamdulillah, that, that, that's the last page of, I think, al-Ma'id, if I'm not mistaken. That's one of my uh, favorite verses, subhanAllah. I had the opportunity from Allah SWT to, uh, uh, as you mentioned to our non-Muslim viewers, subhanAllah, you know, uh, for them to understand or to just to get an understanding of the concept of Isa in Islam. And I think this is paramount for those of you that may have parents that are Christian and may have a misunderstanding, especially those of you that have converted to Islam, reverted to Islam. Um, to If you have an opportunity to read this verse to them, to tell them, you know, this is the month of Ramadan. And, you know, I just wanted to read this to you if you give me the opportunity. Uh, and explain that to them because it's very, very eloquent in regards to the, who Isa is and who Allah is and the greatness of Isa, but maintaining the integrity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the integrity of prophethood, the concept of prophethood in Islam. You know, I did this one time, subhanAllah, to a, for a Catholic sister and uh, they translated it in Spanish and mashallah, it was a short time afterwards she in, eventually became a Muslim because it was so profound for them. So, you know, reading this, every time I've had the opportunity to read this, particularly to those who may be of the Catholic faith, it's been something that has been profound for them, mashallah. And I like how she she used the, the segue of distraction and how subhanAllah, you know, when speaking to the youth or, you know, anyone in general, uh, using the word shirk as a distraction. I mean, that was, I, I like how she really touched on that. And even a distraction for those that do actions of khair, you know, actions of good, you know, subhanAllah. And I was so inspired, Sister Nordin. I wrote a little poem. I wrote a little poem. It's, it's two lines. It's two lines. It's two lines. Just check, check this out. Do not let the means be a distraction from your creator while establishing a healthy interaction. You're fasting, right, man? You're not, you're not like secretly drinking like some, <laughs> some like Gatorade or some hydration energy drink. That's how did you no, know? I, <laughs> no, it was good. Mashallah. Very, very, very nice, very nice ta'liqat, very nice uh explanation and commentary on this beautiful, beautiful uh uh dialogue, mashallah. Man, love bless you. Mm -hmm. Very happy to have you, inshallah. We hope to have you back in the future as well. Shaykh Abdullah, as always, Jazakallah khair for your reflections and your poetry, mashallah. And uh, to the rest, to everyone else, please do, inshallah, again, yaqeeninstitute.org slash Ramadan, where you can download the ebooks um, as well as support this prophetic mission, bidnanahi ta'ala. We pray that Allah place us all on the path of our Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and grant us his companionship in Jannah the Firdaus. Allahumma ameen. Jazakumullah khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is your brother Ibrahim Hindi. It's a struggle for parents everywhere to raise our kids to be good, mature, independent adults who are confident and also to be great believers who are confident in their religion and connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How can we achieve this goal? Join me for this great series, Keys to Prophetic Parenting. We will take cues and keys from the prophets and the righteous people on how they raised kids in order to inform how we can become better parents together, inshaAllah.